0: leadership show with Andy Peck. Welcome to the show that helps you lead according to God's purposes. Our daily news is full of stories where you think to yourself, if only someone had been there to listen and advise, things would be very different. But listening and advising takes time and energy and intention. And as you live your day, how much time do you have for such activity? You will be aware that some people make listening and advising part of their daily work, and many Christians in leadership make a point of making sure they are mentoring at least one person, whatever else they're doing. Well, I'm joined this week by Theo Manderson. He spends his time working one-on-one with young people, providing the help and support they need to navigate the complex teenage years, along with other things. I'm looking forward to hearing how he became a mentor and how he goes about his work. And if you don't currently mentor anyone, maybe my conversation will encourage you to think seriously about making it happen. So Theo, lovely to have you on The Leadership Show. Talk to us about your own journey towards mentoring. Oh,
1: that's an interesting one. Um, So I used to be a van driver, stroke, lorry driver, had my own little business and stuff. And I was driving, one day and I, I and I just got bored. I got bored of driving. And then I remember saying to my wife, I'm I'm bored of this driving thing and mm. I'm looking, I want to do something else. And she goes, why don't you do something with young people? My wife's in education, she's a teacher. And she goes why don't you do something with young people? You're always, you know, complaining about them and stuff about, you know, they're not got no one to help them. So I made an inquiry to my local authority at the time, which was Brent, and because I didn't know anything about it. I just phoned up and they said, oh, there's a mentoring department. So I went, okay. And then they put me in touch. I left a message on this lady's answering machine. And then she got back to me a few days after and said, "Um, well, we don't have any training going, but there's a job going. I was like, okay, the job. I don't even know what mentoring is at the time. And you want me to put you forward for it. So I applied for the job. Couldn't really fill out the application form because I had not filled the application form in like 10, 10 years plus. And the the thing is, it was in my old high school that I used to go to. So I went there, sent the application form in. It was a mess. My wife goes, you can't send that. This is me. This is me. This is me. If they want me, they want me. If they don't, they don't want me. So I went for the interview and they said, yeah, your your application form was a mess, but you were what we're looking for what i was saying in the in, in the in the interview so i started part-time three days a week in my old high school and i did a lot of training i did the last government controlled mentoring training that they had because mentoring was free at the time so i did the very last course they did it was packed there was about 50 of us crammed into a small room because they wasn't expecting the uptake and it was it was interesting put it that way it was interesting and then from there i've just gone on and on and on that was the initial start
0: okay so what do you bring to mentoring Theo? what what were the elements when you got there you really we realized hey this is me this i can do something here
1: um is when you when the i remember speaking to the first young man i spoke to he was roughly the same age i think he's a year older than my son my son at the time was 15 so he was year 11 and i just remember and i said I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. This young man, I don't know anything about him. I said, you have to direct me. And what it was is, I just said, treat them like they're one of your children. So what advice would you speak to and say to your son? And that's how I that's how I do mentoring. I look at them as like, they're mine. So they're in my presence, they're my children. What would I say to them? What would I want for them? It's not just, okay, it's a young person, it's ticker boxes, it's actually... Someone's, you know, life. I'm dealing with. I'm, you know, trying to help somebody. So that's how I look at it. And because of, I grew up similar to most of them, single parent household, you know, free school meals, the whole usual stereotypes on the council estate. So I, I'm familiar with their backgrounds. So I can bring something that can help them ten years down the line because I've been there. I've been there. I've got that personal experience. It's not just something I watch on television or something. It's something I've actually lived. So I bring a bit more, I just bring myself, my, my story and me.
0: So, so some folk will be very familiar with the idea of mentoring. It's, it's kind of entered our, our kind of common parlance these days. But what, what would be your understanding of what you're doing in, in a mentoring situation?
1: Um, support. A lot of support advice and time, you know, time. Time is very important and, it's, and a space for a young person to feel like they've been heard. And they've got a big brother, uncle, wherever they view you as someone that can they can talk to that's older than them and it's going to be giving them should be good advice or good pointers or good help. So it's more, it's just a lot of support, a lot of support and and time. Because it's, if you're in school now, school one thing school don't have is time. School lacks time. As a teacher, they have no time to spend one-to-one with a student. They can't, you know, oh, this one's got an issue. They can't really deal with that because they're so driven to get the results and the qualifications. So some kids need that time. So that's, what's, that's what a lot of mentoring is about, time.
0: The young people themselves, do they typically – choose to be mentored is it something they 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 get told they have to do as part of a you know kind of their their education
1: some do some do some ask for it ones that know about it that know about mentoring they ask for it but majority of the times they're referred they're referred by the school because of whatever reason it may be and some would just request it because they 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 know what it's about or they know that they need some extra support those tends to be the ones that are a bit more able. You know, they have no real issues. So people don't see them as a, they they require mentoring because they, you know, as I said, school's academic, but you're doing well. You're, you know, you're getting your grades, so you're okay. So I remember one of my, the first young man that did that, he was at the school, he was the top boy at the school. He, you know, He was a straight A student, the strongest student, the fastest student. He was the guy. Yeah, he was the guy, the the, the looks, everything. He was the guy. You know, if you're at school, you want to be that guy. He's the guy. You know, but he said to them, I want Phil to mentor me. And I was like, but what for? He goes, I have my own pressures. There's pressures on me. I need support. Just because I'm able to do stuff doesn't mean that I don't, that I haven't got pressures outside of school and, I need advice on where to go and what to do and stuff like that. So they said, okay, fine. And then I became his mentor. And then he, from there, I realised that it's not just about children that have bad behaviour or, you know, they got, you know, brothers or sisters in trouble or they, they got, you know, safeguarding issues at home. It's for everybody. It's for all young people. It's not, it doesn't matter what they're doing in school. It's irrespective of all that. It's about, People need time and support and advice, no matter even us as adults, we have mentors and <laughs> people we go to advice. Let alone a fourteen-year-old hormonal, young man who doesn't know his left from his right, been told to make life-changing decisions: what you're going to study, where you're going to study, and all these different pressures that you've never really thought about.
0: Some of these mentoring programs um, are designed in part to provide advice and help for fatherless young people would that would that be typical for some of the people that you were working with
1: yeah majority of them are fatherless majority of them there's very few that the fathers are actively involved in their life and if they are it sometimes it's not beneficial and some fathers are at home but then might as well not but they might as well not be there They're they're in body but there's no advice or anything their job is I'm just going to give you money, and that's
0: it, pretty much. But, so, so how does it feel to be a father figure? You'll be looked up to in that sort of setting.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really look at it that way. I don't take it on that way. I don't really look beyond what I'm doing. So, how the young person views me, that's how they view me. And then they, I'm just here to support you. If you view me as a father figure replacement, then fine. I try to. The thing when you do mentoring it's about having clear boundaries so the young person knows the the dynamics of the relationship
0: so at some point theo you became a youth pastor um so talk about the journey to that from this mentoring
1: well it wasn't to do the really the mentoring it was just in church it just became a natural progression it wasn't you know, I had a position in the church, like one of the ministers and stuff like that. So it was like, well, oh, there's a post. Might as well become the youth pastor. You know, it seemed that you're ready with the young people. You're already doing all these different things with them. You might as well just become their pastor. They they still to this day refer to me as their youth pastor, even though I'm not anymore. They still did, But because I was, is what I was doing anyway. I'm not really one for titles. I just do the work. If you want to give me a title and put it on top, then go for it. That's, that's up to you. Doesn't. Make a blind bit of difference to me.
0: So the whole concept of of mentoring, giving advice, etc., is not dissimilar, of course, to the kind of discipleship that Jesus provided in the Gospels and the New Testament. And um, yeah. there are some local churches and some leaders who really think that mentoring is a key, should be a key um, structure, if you like, for local church life. Um, I've known churches that have abolished or abandoned their small groups in favour of mentoring. And so everyone is, you know, is mentored by someone and mentors someone else, um, or as near as possible, everyone. What, what's your view of of the role of mentoring in in spiritual growth, uh, Theo?
1: I think it helps if you have a, like, my 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 good friend was just here, just not long before you could, mm. um, before we started this. And it is, it is, it's, it's, as it says in the Bible, iron sharp if iron. So, you know, in a big setting, it's good, but sometimes people need that one-to-one. Not everybody needs it, but sometimes people need that little one-to-one to help them, their buddy, their friend, someone they can at the end of the line they can speak to, pray with, especially new converts as well. You know, you need that support because sometimes you can get baptized and just be and You get baptized, hi, all the hoo-ha, and then after a few months, you know, you're no longer the new convert anymore. You're kind of like stuck. And where do you go? You know, I need help to pray because I'm not too sure how to pray, or you know, help me you know, do a and I don't, I don't understand because you know, I go to church on a Sunday or whatever day of the week you go to church. Yeah, and the pastor was a great service, but I, I don't know what to do. So, it's I think it's I think it's important, it's good. I think more churches should do that. You know, it's called discipleship, isn't it?
0: Indeed. And, and Theo here, is what sort of structure have have you adopted in terms of the regularity of meeting, how long you meet for, um, and and whether it's open ended or, or you know you meet for say ten weeks and and that's it.
1: So that depends upon the setting I'm in. So if I'm actually working in that school, there isn't really a time frame. I don't I don't like to put a time frame on things because then you're kind of working towards that like a countdown and they're humans. Everybody works at a different pace. So if I say, okay, after 10 weeks, this young person should be able to function on their own, not necessarily. But some young people, after three, four weeks, they're fine. So I kind of keep it as loose as possible. And some just need ongoing support, those you know, regular check-ins. You know, you work with them for a period of time, and then after a while, just like, you need to stand on your own list and then just like once a week I might have a check-in with you to see how you're doing. Once a month, it depends. But when you put time on anything, it's like it becomes a deadline, isn't it? Then it becomes like a bit of a pressure and you're trying to get through something and people don't really work that way. Not, not to my knowledge, anyway, if everybody does different things, But sometimes you're in a program or a project where you've only got like 12 weeks.
0: So, so typically, would you you'd sit down and, and have some sort of goal in your head or in their head? Or do you actually make it very, very flexible in terms of whatever comes up in the conversation you deal with and you...
1: So, okay, so if I work with, so when I'm working with young men on the street, because I work with predominantly men, if I am working with a youth at risk, as they will call them, or NEAT, do you know
0: what that means? NEAT. Uh, something to do with education, isn't it? Excluded? Not,
1: not in education, employment, or training.
0: Right, okay.
1: anagram is NEAT. So if I'm working with a neat young young man or woman, my objective is to change their mindset. It's like with any young person, it's to change in their mindset. You're not gonna change them per se, because that will take time. But it's if you change their focus. So if I'm working with a young man on the street who's part of a gang or well, he's, a, he's a dealer and he's all focused on the money and making money and all this, and he can't see beyond that. The minute I've got that young person thinking about, okay, I need to go college, I need to get a job, I need to, their focus changes. And like anybody from your focus changes, you change. So if you become a Christian, what was focused on in the world, you no longer focus on them. You focus on Christ and you're trying to become a better Christian. So if I've got a young person who was talking about money, 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 now he's talking about how can I get a job or feel I need to get, I need to get, I need to go back to college or I need to go back to school to, get my get my qualification because i want to become i don't know a plumber or whatever it may be the computer person because i like computers that means you're on the right path of of stay um because now you're going to try and find all ways of getting into that so that's that's how i look at things it's not about anything else it's about trying to change someone's mindset
0: and uh, you you mentioned you know someone dealing on the street i guess one of the key things is confidentiality um yeah, the yeah. fact that you're you know you're not there as quotes the police <laughs> to try and you know you're there to to help them on and that actually i'm not saying you take a you turn a blind eye to criminal activity but i'm saying you you need to be to see the bigger picture um in terms of helping them
1: yeah so the the first the first thing you do with them you your uh, that the, the the contract is this 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 meeting is confidential. Whatever you say to me won't, won't be said. Any won't be passed on. You can say anything to me, but if what you say to me is going to harm you, harm somebody else, I have to then, if I deem it worthy, I have to pass it on to somebody else. I'm going to have to inform either your teacher, safeguarding, or look, whoever it may be. I'd have to inform them. Are you okay with that? So before you say anything to me, just make sure that you know that if it's something that's, you know, criminality, that's like I, I deem it to be severe, like, oh, I've got a knife and I'm going to do something or whatever it may be, I have to pass that information on. And mo- majority of the times they say, just fine, that's fine. They just want to talk anyway, so that's
0: fine. And So what's, what advice, Theo, would you give to to leaders listening who might think maybe I need to incorporate mentoring as part of my of my leadership life as a as a church leader or maybe a leader in a um a business situation or a charity situation um that maybe they're they're doing a lot of very distant kind of work and they need to be a bit get a bit closer. What sort of advice would you give?
1: Okay, if okay if you're working with young people, let's use young people first then they go into mm-hmm. others. Young people if there's a if there's a group of young people, always try and find out who the leader is that young people is. The minute you got the leader on side, you got them all on side. So you might get in with one or two, but the main person is the the top the top person you're trying to get hold of, because then you can have more of an impact. And what young people like is, I always say to people, don't make any promises that you can't keep. Don't promise them you're going to do something. If you know you can't, if it, if it's 50-50, only tell them. So, like when I said take young people on trips, when I had those tickets in my hand, that's when I would tell them again are going on this trip. Until then, it's it's I'll see, I will see. Until I have the tickets, the confirmation, whatever it may be that we're going, then we'll tell them. Um, and it's if you're trying to get with young people, you have to be personable and you have they have to see you have to be able to see you touch you smell you whatever they have to be able to they need to see you in front of them being in the pulpit being in the back office walking around and saying hello no they need to see you talk to you and get to know who you are as a person because what you're trying to build is trust I can't trust you if I don't know you <laughs> you can't expect me to come and tell you stuff and I don't know who you are Oh, yeah, you're the pastors. And what does that mean? Who are you? Okay, on a Sunday, you're preaching, but who are you on Monday to Saturday or whatever day of the week? Who are you? So it's about building trust. So it's about give and take. Businesses are done, you know, from contracts. But I've got to trust that you're going to honor your contract. And if you're working with your staff members, your staff members need to know that they can trust you. You know, people have HR, but not a lot of people trust their HR sometimes because they say the HR is, is very connected to the management. And it's just people that, when you're working with humans, it's about trust. It's always about trust because I'm going to be telling you personal stuff about me. I've got to trust that you're not going to judge me for it. You're not going to condemn me for it or, or use it against me to hurt me. It's a trust. That's why people do counselling because they do it with people they don't know it's like they don't know I don't know you who are you you live the other side of the world to me
0: Theo we haven't touched on on the the kind of race dimension of what you do but I um, mean part of your work certainly was working you're you're a black man yourself and you were working with young black lads um yep. and I'm just asking obviously as a as a, as a white middle class man you know I, I I can't really begin to understand the sadness of of the racial slurs that some of the guys you've worked with and indeed you must have faced. So I'm really sad about that, but I do want to just raise the issue in terms of how you help young people through that, that awful minefield.
1: It's, It's not easy. It's not easy. But I always say to them is that's one person. And the goal isn't that one person. The goal is wherever you're trying to get to. So you're going to get these things. You're going to get people saying things to you. But look at it as it's, it's toughening you up for when you get into those positions and then people try to shoot bullets at you. Because I, I know people say words shouldn't hurt you. They do hurt people. But it's, it's about growing that thicker skin because what I say is there are obstacles to, to stop you from getting where you're going. So if the first person that causes you something horrible and you fall down, then they've won. They've, 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 they've got the victory of, they, you know, they've broken you down. When people are attacking you, you've already beaten 100-some people to get here. So it's irrelevant what you say to me because I've heard it all before. I've heard it all before. What are you going to say to me that I haven't heard? I've overcome all your obstacles and what, I'm, I'm here. And I say this about kind of, it's not easy, but it's about just taking it. So I'll use examples of when people call them names on the streets. You know, your friend, I said, if he called you in the name of the you, nah, he's an idiot. Well, look at them as an idiot. He's not worth my time. Or they can see that you've got a potential, so they're trying to break you. Do you, want them to, do you want them to win? How are you going to defeat him? By beating him up? Nah, that will hurt him temporarily. But not will defeat him is if he sees you doing better than what you're doing now. And it's about getting them to understand that. That's how you overcome it. Not fighting it. Fighting, yeah, you might break his nose or whatever. Yeah, it might, it might give you that momentary satisfaction, but mentally,
0: he's broken you. Because and now York, you, you work with black and white young lads, don't you?
1: I work with all, 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 all young people. There's no color division because young people now always come together. If you read a newspaper, it just says "youths." Doesn't doesn't really different, differentiate between black, white, or Asian. You just see, you just see youths. If you see an incident, you don't know. What race they are until you read the, until you actually read the article. Most of the time it says youth dies at you've been attacked at fourteen. You know they don't really put it black youth or white youth or anything. Only when you read it now you can then get to understand the story. So yeah, young people across the board they're in a they're in a bad way. They're in a bad way. But it's just how the system's been designed for them to be where they are. So I saw, I saw that firsthand the gradual decline of the young person.
0: Well Theo, thank you for if I come and say so, if it doesn't sound patronizing for all you're doing, because you know we need folk like yourself to to be standing in the, the places you stand to to do that one-on-one work. Um, obviously, from a broader context, listeners may not know that you um, you present shows for uh, on premier Christian radio, on, on premier gospel, particularly. so just to just share share how people can listen to you on other occasions.
1: Oh, I'm on Premier Gospel um, every Saturday between the hours of 7 to 10 p.m. I do a show called The Theo Manderson Show. And I'm also on a podcast called Naked Love Podcast, where we've ripped the band-aid off and actually just talk about real stuff in relationships with, with very little filters. With
0: very <laughs> little. <laughs> and and you, run, you run that with a co-presenter?
1: Yeah, a co-presenter, a young lady called Kathy, a.k.a. a cup of caffeine. <laughs> so yeah, she's so it's a good dynamics because I'm I'm forty eight, she's thirty one or thirty two, you know she's newly married. I've been married for sixteen years, so it's it's a good dynamics. You know she's only married like eight nine months. So
0: and you have six children. I understand Is that, right? I should I should have, I should have mentioned that.
1: <laughs> yeah, six children and six grandchildren. They were all around last week for Father's Day giving me a headache but yeah I, I, i've been blessed so, so i've been told I, I can't i can't see the blessing yet but i've been blessed apparently <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> fair enough well theo it's been a great joy to chat with you thank you for for wisdom as it were from the street level of of mentoring and uh, you know we're you gonna take take home lots of wisdom we can re-listen to this on uh, via uh, our the podcast of this show as well so thank you so much
1: well thank you very much handy
0: That was my conversation with Theo Manderson. Maybe you need to become a mentor or maybe you need to find one. Many of my guests over the years have spoken movingly of how the input of a more experienced brother or sister has kept them on wise paths and fruitful activity. Maybe you know you could be doing this and it's time to pray about who you could offer to invest your life into. As always, you can find archive content from the leadership show by going to premier's website or the podcast platform you're listening to this from there are hundreds of shows available and i'm sure you'll find wisdom in them in the meantime may god's goodness be known in your life as you seek to be an influence for him this is andy peck signing off and looking forward to speaking again soon the leadership show with andy peck email andy.peck at premier.org.uk